A garland of visions, verse number eight. This world, non-existent on its own, is terrible like an infernal city. Such is the way the all-pervading Lord, Vibhuhu, mysteriously did make appear from himself the whole of the universe. The present context takes for granted that this world was created by God. Vibhuhu, the word used here to signify God, suggests God's all-pervasiveness and omnipotence. Such a God who becomes self-expanded as the world indicates that he is not to be conceived as a personal God, but as the substance underlying the being of all the worlds. Each individual, therefore, has to perceive the presence of God as the substance that has assumed his or her own form. Such a perception is what the word Atmavidya of the previous verse denotes. Not seeing thus indicates Atmavidya is absent. In that case, one sees the world as ghost-like and fearful. Admitting all this arouses another question. Why did God create the world like this? where Atmavidya naturally remains shrunken, leaving living beings fearful. One question remains a riddle in all the religions, particularly in prophetic religions. Why is there evil in this world created by God, the plentitude of goodness? Theologians have been trying to resolve this riddle, but it eludes any satisfactory final answer. The fact is that it has no such an answer. The reason is this. The question arises from the preconceived notion, God is the plentitude of goodness. No evidence to testify the correctness of this notion is available. Really, good and evil are human ideations and not God-related. It is happenings that are evaluated as good or bad. Happenings on their own are neither good nor bad. They just arise from God. They become so only when we humans appraise them. Such appraisals have our own likes and dislikes and value notions for criteria. What is thought of as good by some is seen as evil by some others. For one and the same person, what is felt good in one context may turn out bad at another. All happenings, it is admitted, take place as one realities or God's creative unfoldment. Even human beings who habitually evaluate events as good or bad are merely part of that creative unfoldment of God. It is such humans that differentiate happenings emerging from God as good or bad. Happenings as they emerge from God are neither good nor bad. Such creative self-unfoldment of God was heedlessly classed as good by man with his own likes and dislikes as criteria. And this basically wrong notion is from where the above-mentioned question arose and is the reason for it having no satisfactory answer. In India, the Upanishads have always remained the one sturdy support of all philosophical speculation. In them, Brahman replaces God. They have never thought of Brahman as the plentitude of goodness alone. On the other hand, Brahman in them 
is conceived as the basic source of everything we classify as good or bad, righteous or unrighteous, dharma and adharma. For instance, the Brahadarnika Upanishad stanza of which the famous dictum, I am Atma Brahma, the Self is the Absolute, forms part, reads as follows. This same Self indeed is Brahman, consisting of or identified with understanding, mind, life, sight, hearing, earth, water, air, ether, light and no light, desire and absence of desire, anger and absence of anger, righteousness and absence of righteousness, and all things. This is what is meant by saying, it consists of this, what is perceived, consists of that, what is inferred. According as one acts, according as one behaves, so does he become. The doer of good becomes good, the doer of evil becomes evil. 2.19 The Upanishads apparently assert here that, what we humans treat as good and evil, merit and sin, all emanated from the one all underlying substance called Brahman or Atman. It is we humans who classified action, karmas, as good and evil, and their doers as meritorious and sinful. Actions as they take place in nature's eternal flow are neither good nor evil. In short, Vedanta does not consider Brahman or God the ultimate causal substance as the plentitude of goodness, and therefore the above question does not pose itself in Vedanta. If at all the good and the evil are admitted as intrinsic with the world order, they are to be treated only as having emerged from God or Brahman. The problem becomes relevant only when the apparent world is considered real. How did such dichotomies emerge from the one God? Why did God create the world in such a way that it arouses fear in the minds of his own creations? Such possible questions are many. No logically conceived answer to these is available. One possible overall answer is this. All this is a great mystery. The world is a mystery. The phenomena of life and mind are mysteries, and God himself is a mystery. Indian philosophy, particularly Advaita Vedanta, though it considers itself as a systematically conceived school of thought, does not claim that it answers all the logical questions possible about the world and reality. On the contrary, Vedanta ultimately concludes that the ultimate reality is an unthinkable and ineffable mystery. In this respect, Vedantic speculation departs from the way of thinking of the West, where defining reality as a mystery is never considered as philosophically sound, though mystics may approve of it. Mystics are never considered philosophers. They are rather treated as related to religion. Religion and philosophy in India have never become divorced. Why the world and life cause fear was made clear in the last verse. Absence of self-knowledge or of knowing oneself is the cause. It is when through self-knowledge the reality is revealed that it becomes evident how it is a great mystery. Until then one may think all problems could be solved through logical reasoning. 
The word shunya, rendered here as non-existent on its own, is not to be understood as it is meant by the shunyavadins, nihilists of Buddhism. It is rather the valuelessness that some feel sometimes about life that is implied. Incessant miseries and fear sometimes make people think of life as valueless. This sense of vacuity, like an infernal city, Vetalanagaram, is fancied by them because of their ignorance, avidya. It is not a state of utter non-existence. The existence of the consciousness that finds expression as ignorance is there. Knowing this consciousness reality results in realizing that it is nothing but God and that everything phenomenal is fancied by that God. Then alone does one realize how mysterious all this is. So even in Nietzsche we have this going beyond good and evil. So the people who think deeply they understand that the reality is not in terms of good and bad. That is a human construct.